Welcome back to Box to Box. It's Resin Alex. Hi, Alex. Hello. We have another guest. Yes, we do. I'm really excited about this one. Uh, I first uh, will have, we'll introduce him in a bit, but just uh, as a little background, background to why I wanted to uh, have him on so much. I first saw, uh, I think it was like three years ago, I first saw uh, our guest's first video on YouTube. And then it kind of got to the point where, it, you know how the YouTube vortex hits you? Yeah. And you go, yeah. yeah. It just keeps going. Our next know. guest have, has, been, has been in my YouTube vortex and my YouTube recommended way too many times. Uh, it's Matt Sheldon from uh, Becoming Elite and uh, Tulsa Roughnecks. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really excited to be on. No, thanks for, thank uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, but yeah, I uh, you... You've been in my YouTube recommended way too many times, and then I just I, so just to cut that issue out, I just subscribed uh, a couple years ago, and uh, we were kind of talking about guests to have on, and uh, definitely top of the list uh, for us. So no, this is this is going to be a good conversation. I'm really excited. For yeah, it. no, that, that's awesome. That's great that I that YouTube's really pushing my content out there. <laughs> they they are. It's a lot of heavy. <laughs> I'm because I always I'm always a sucker, and we've talked to I forgot was it between me and you or like who was it, but we're always. I'm always a sucker for like any behind the scenes, like look, yeah, any, any that. BTS stuff, any like day in the life stuff. I'm all about that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the cool things. That's like the niche that you found as well, um, Matt. But why don't, uh, for anyone that doesn't know, do you want to just give a quick little intro of sort of uh, what you do, but then maybe what you do on the side as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, my name is Matt Sheldon. Uh, I'm just a professional soccer player right now. I, playing in the second division of America. And then I just have like a YouTube channel, Instagram podcast, a whole bunch of stuff, pretty much just talking about behind the scenes of the daily life of a professional soccer player. I'm just kind of vlog my, my training, my diet, everything, everything that goes along with it. No, it's, uh, you were, you were very modest. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll hype you up a bit more, but you started this <laughs> about, you started about what, four, four years ago or around that time. Yeah. About four and a half years ago now. That's crazy. And I think you just hit the 300k, you know? Yeah, today actually, yeah. No Con- way, it was congratulations. Today. So yeah, so today, we yeah. so we blessed you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's only good. Thank you. <laughs> no, it's uh that's awesome. Uh yeah. yeah. No, it's pretty exciting. 4 years, 300k subscribers. I think what, 33 million views and I was doing my uh my research. But yeah. uh is that another one of your words. <laughs> I, that's another one of my words that uh sounds much better in in British than in American English. Uh, why don't we start? Um, super cliche, but we'll start from the beginning. Um, you went to UC Davis, uh, had a bit of experience in the PDL um, before moving to Germany. So, can you just maybe start with your reason for leaving college and how Germany became an option for you as you sort of searched for professional soccer? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I had a good career at UC Davis, and um, you know, and how soccer works in America, the seasons kind of start January, February. And so with college soccer, my senior season ending around November, December, um, I kind of, kind of pictured it of like, okay, it's now or never. I didn't want to stay in school and finish my degree and have to be there another full year and wait until the following year to enter into the pro game. Cause I just, I've seen a lot of, uh, a lot of professionals kind of like do that and then kind of fizzle out. So I was like, yeah, it's now or never type kind of mentality. So I just kind of dropped out and, and, and went for it. I was hoping to uh, have some USL trials do something. I was talking to some agent scouts, 
Um, but pretty much over the next, uh, I'd say three months, I was just contacting agents, scouts, any team I possibly could and trying to get any trial I could. I was over in Iceland. I was up in Vancouver with the Whitecaps too. And then, um, ended up pretty much trialing with Sacramento Republic in the USL. And they already had two right backs signed. It didn't really work out, but they, you know, saw potential and they basically said that, yeah, I mean, you could stay here, train with us for the whole season, play with our affiliate team in the PDL, and you can kind of work towards your degree a little bit. So I was like, okay, sweet. Let's do that. Um, stayed there for all nine months. I learned so much training with the professional team for those nine months. And, uh, and then at the end of the season, they were kind of like, yeah, you know, we liked you. You're good, but we just don't think we're going to re-sign you for the following season. So then I didn't have, I went basically a year without really any professional experience. I played semi-pro in the PDL, uh, but randomly through an old coach from like when I was 12 years old, uh, an opportunity came up in, in Germany to go trial with some lower division teams. And I thought what an experience that was. So pretty much of October of 2015, I just booked a one-way ticket over there and, and just flew across the world. That's... Um... It's pretty remarkable. I mean, what were your? I'm assuming you didn't really know anyone in Germany, and you were, and even at that point, you were still trying to find clubs, right? Because I think you spent a couple months still bouncing around all over Germany to sort mm -hmm. of figure out what opportunities there were. What's yeah, what's was, that? Uh, what's that like to sort of? Because it's it's a pretty vulnerable position to be in. Yeah, um, it definitely is. Like uh, <laughs> my mom is. It's exciting. It's a very big mix of exciting with also being vulnerable and kind of scared at the same time. Uh, but I say mainly it's exciting because you go over there and you think, you know, worst case scenario nowadays, you can get a cheap Airbnb or you can, you know, find something to be able to survive over there. So I wasn't too scared about just like, you know, the, the like being able to survive in that country. Um, but yeah, I, I knew zero German. I had one coach who I just had met that year or the year before who said he was going to research teams for me. And other than that, it was just friends of friends. Um, and I just kind of bounced around from, you know, from Frankfurt to Mainz to Gießen area and just really just kind of did Airbnbs and hotels and, and everything I possibly could. And then just follow around when this coach was like, okay, I got a trial for you in Mainz. I got a trial for you over here in V spot. And then I would just kind of book a bus ticket or a train ticket and just try to live as cheap as possible save as much money as possible and, and kind of enjoy it. And the first month or two bouncing around, it's exciting and fun. Um, but then as you start to bounce around, you start to see um, just how hard it is to find a team and how hard it is, to, how everything is to align for you to get a, a contract offer. Um, it kind of goes from exciting to almost uh, a little, little stressful because you're, you're pretty much going like, okay, what am I doing? I don't have a, a contract. I don't have a team that wants me. I'm kind of living you how it can go a week without even training with the team. So you're just training in local parks, uh, thousands of miles away from your family and friends. So you go through these waves of excitement and waves of what am I doing? Yeah. Do you want to something? Yeah. Uh, I was like, uh, with the bouncing around, uh, like with your um, career in USL, what was it like to go from you know orange county and then st louis and now you're at tulsa uh it, it it's it's cool that you're sort of experiencing different uh cities but what's it like to yeah uh, what's it like to try and settle in at those places mm -hmm. yeah it's 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 hard because 
you know, you can't, you can't have a normal life. I mean, I, even in my closet right now, I think I have maybe one suitcase worth of clothes, everything. And, and just because even like this year, I mean, I have no idea. Hopefully I'm coming back to Tulsa next year, but I could be, you know, in a different country. I could be in any, any city. So it is kind of like, it's exciting at the same time where you're, you never know where you can be. You're bouncing around to from city to city to city, country to country to country sometimes. And it's, it's a very cool life um, and exciting, but it definitely does wear on you because, I mean, you uh, very rarely am I with my friends and family. Even when I go to a new place and I, and I make new teammates and make new friends, you only, you know, I've only been around them for nine months and then you have to leave them and sometimes never see them ever again. Uh, and then when you're bouncing from city to city to city, I mean, you're moving your entire life. So you're pretty much living like a very nomadic lifestyle, which is, which is what most people really don't do. So it's exciting. It's hard. Um, I can definitely see how even now, like I'm 27. So I, it take, it's wearing me down a little bit. I'm like, oh, man, I wish I had a two year contract, three year contract. Um, but it definitely is something that I know I'm going to really look back on and just be so thankful I did it. Cause not many people can live in, in three, four different countries in their life. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So how, sorry, how long were you in Germany for before, um, the opportunity with, uh, Orange County came up? I was in Germany for nine, not nine, nine months, 10 months. Okay. And so yeah. you had an opportunity with, uh, I guess you had heard about Orange County sort of scouted you or sort of found out about, um, about you and kind of playing in Germany and, can you just walk mm-hmm. us through sort of that risk decision between, I think you had a contract already with um, a German club, yeah. but then also you had an opportunity with Orange County and sort of coming back home and maybe being a bit more settled and close to family. And just maybe walk us through mm-hmm. sort of that moment. Cause it really wasn't that long ago that. I mean, no, that was like three and a half years ago or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was, uh, it was pretty crazy cause I was there for 10 months and I had this, I was actually on a student visa there because I, I wasn't being paid enough to get a, a working visa. <laughs> go back to my videos in Germany. I'm living a very, very <laughs> kind of like not yeah. rough. I mean, many people have it much, much worse than I had it there. I had my own apartment. I had some good stuff going on, but like I was, I was scraping by each month and um, I always had my, a very supportive family that would help me out, you know, if worse comes to worse. But um, I was, I was definitely living very frugally. And uh, I was, so I was there for 10 months on a student visa uh, and I was having visa problems to try to renew it, but I had a contract. Yeah, I was playing in the sixth division of, of German soccer, which is, is pretty low, but still a high, high standard. And then um, I had a fourth division team, a regional Liga team, pretty much have a contract on the table just saying, yeah, we're ready to sign you for the next season. We want you here, which is like right at that semi-pro level of Germany where you have fully professional players. You have some almost fully professional teams. Um, you have teams of like the second teams of Bundesliga yeah, teams. Yeah. So it's a very, it's a very cool league to be in. And I was excited for that. Um, but at the same time, it, I was having a lot of visa issues and it still was right at that semi-pro level. And you, you could go in and play sometimes in front of 50 people or sometimes in front of thousands of people. So it's like, it was a weird mix. And then a, and then right on that off season, like for that two, three weeks in June, um, I was traveling around. Italy, actually, my family had just come over. I was with them for like three or four days, and I'd get a DM on Instagram from one of my old teammates at Sacramento Republic, and they were in desperate need. They were midseason, desperate need for a right back, and he just pretty much said, hey, are you under contract right now? Can you come fly over to Orange County? We really need a right back. 
And I just saw that as that's my entry into the fully professional level. Um, it's my entry back home, back into California. I don't have to deal with visa issues. Um, and I kind of just was like, yeah, I have to go back for a trial. I have this contract on the table. You know, it was a very hard decision. Do you leave a contract in Germany or do you go with a trial with the league that you really want to get into in the third division at that time in America? And so I, I thought about it a lot and just kind of like went with my gut and I just booked a ticket out to Orange County, left my family. They were still had another two weeks in Italy, but I left them and then went over to Orange County to, to go on uh, that trial with Orange County. It's it's a uh, it's a it's an interesting story. It's pretty remarkable that uh, the it's it's I know what you mean exactly by uh, it's exciting for the first couple months, sort of bouncing around. You get that sort of like Euro trip vibes, and then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. after like by I think I mean I can imagine within like the first like month, two or three, you're just kind of like scratching your head. Uh, yeah, and I mean, so uh, you had I think one season with uh, Orange County Blues, Blues right before you moved to St. Louis. Yeah. And then I want to ask, um, what, uh, and I was, so we were kind of like prepping and seeing like all the stuff that you've done. And, but I think the one club that stands out, because even like Germany is still like, it's doable. Uh, tell me about, um, New Zealand. Okay. Yeah. Um, New Zealand was, was a very, like such a cool experience. And that was like, it came at a time where it was honestly one of the lower parts of my of my life, like in terms of just how I was feeling, I, I played in St. Louis um, and I had a, a decent season, but I pretty much ended the season injured. I had the sports hernia on my left side. And so I only had like 12 games played that season. I was coming off an injury. Uh, the head coach got fired. It completely just cut every single player on the team except for like two. So I was out of contract and I was injured and, that's the worst thing to be is when you're out of contract and injured because then even when opportunities come up in the, in the USL, you can't even go in trial. So I would get some, like my agent or some other people would be like, Hey, I got an opportunity for you here. You need to go here. And can you, are you healthy? Can you trial? And I was kept on like having to go through all these like rehab sessions. I wasn't getting healthy all off season. And then like, I pretty much had to get another surgery in February. So I missed out on the 2018 USL season, which was, pretty devastating to me and I was stressed out. I didn't know if this would be the end of my career. Uh, I had to like rehab. I had physical therapists tell me that I would, I would never get rid of the pain. So I was, I was pretty scared. And then, um, after the second surgery, I started to see like a little glimpse of, okay, I'm getting, it's starting to improve now. I'm getting healthy. And, uh, and then randomly I just got a, I got an email just, uh, from somebody who watched, watches my YouTube videos. And they're just like, Hey, I, I see you without a uh, club. I know some contacts here in uh, in New Zealand. If you're interested, it's like it's definitely going to be a, a lower. It's not a professional, fully professional league. Um, it'll probably be a lower level than you're used to. But you know, it's, it's here if you're interested. And at that time, I was just I had I had nothing. Like I was, my agent pretty much even kind of cut ties with me. He wasn't texting me back just because he didn't think I could get anything. So I just was like, you know what, this is I'll be able to play. I'll get in a team. And my whole thought process was just come back, play some games, get some highlight footage of that year, and then use that to stay game fit and push on back to the pro level. So, uh, I, I, again, I booked a one-way ticket down to uh, New Zealand. I had already signed a contract um, before leaving, but booked the ticket down there, 
and then had like an amazing experience down there. Just the country, the people. I, I loved it. I was in Wellington, amazing city. Um, the soccer definitely was, it was a high quality. Like any, I always say that you can go anywhere in the world and you can find high level players. You can go to Iceland, you can go to the Faroe Islands, you can go anywhere. And there's good players nowadays. And there's good players in New Zealand for sure. Uh, USL caliber players. So it was, it was even cool to see that. Um, but we're training like two times a week, training sometimes three times a week. It wasn't, it really had the semi pro kind of almost Sunday league type feel to it with some of the teams. You're kind of training in parks. You're not playing in front of thousands of fans in stadiums or anything. So it, it to, for that aspect, it was hard, but I live with an amazing family, host family. I, I love the city. I love the country and just have an amazing experience down there. I just really enjoyed it. I I, I want to really int- uh, I want to get into all the YouTube stuff properly, but I'm I'm just curious and just and I just thought of the question now: Is there any tie between sort of like the videos you shoot or the stuff like this, like the different kind of content you're producing, depending on all the different cities? I, I mean, it surely can't hurt to be in Germany and then California and then St. Louis and then New Zealand and now you're in Tulsa. Like each of those places, does that have any impact on like the kind of other work you do in terms of like content creation? Yeah, yeah, I think it does. I think a lot of it's probably um, not like uh, like not intentional. I think just because like in Wellington, it was you have anywhere you could go, you would just have these amazing views of the harbor with this yeah. teal, crystal clear water, and so like any, I, I, it was very like cinematic. I feel like, and then even here in Tulsa, it's a great city. It's fun, um, but it definitely is flatter. It's it's a little bit more Midwest America, so it's it's not as cinematic. And I guess I. The videos change a little bit, the dynamic, the scenery, which I think is good at the same time because um, it's exciting. Like people are always interested to see the different changes year to year. But uh, but yeah, I think the videos definitely do change a little bit year to year. No, it's funny. Uh, I was I, yeah, it was, it was it's, it's it's just interesting to see sort of like the different kind of stuff you put out depending on where you are. Um, mm-hmm. So how did it feel to then? Um, Come back to the USL. I mean, I, you were mentioning sort of you had a tough time and uh, right prior to New Zealand, and that was sort of your opportunity to sort of just continue playing. And I guess it sort of it mirrors sort of the Germany vibes from what I'm hearing because mm-hmm. you wanted to just sort of get someone that will will pay you in some way to just sort of train and play and, like you said, get highlight footage and get that stuff out there and continue to talk with maybe other clubs. But it must have been a great feeling to sort of get back now into USL with uh, with Tulsa. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I think the first pro contract was always, I think, going to be the most exciting contract that anybody signs. Um, but signing the contract here at Tulsa was definitely right up there in terms of excitement and definitely like emotional because um, just like, you know, I had a lot of people um, kind of like just doubt, you know, say like, oh, your career is done. There's no way you're going to get back. And I try, you know, I read it, but I don't, I don't really believe it. If someone says I'm the worst player in the world, if someone says I'm the best player in the world, I kind of go, yeah, they're both probably not not right either way. So I don't really read it too much in the comments, but it definitely is hard to see a lot of people telling you, you know, it's not going to work out, even like some old teammates. They're like, what are you doing down there? Um, but, uh, but yeah, signing that contract back in Tulsa was – or signing the contract in Tulsa back in the USL was – it was pretty, pretty amazing. I was just so happy to be back. I was so happy to be in a, a professional environment again, training every single day, traveling, playing in front of uh, sometimes thousands of fans. So that was, it was very cool. Uh, for sure. For, I think for those listening, and I think even for myself, because I'm, 
I'm sometimes uh, it's just not a it's just not a league that maybe has as many eyes as it should, and I think it's and you see in like the U.S. Open Cup, you see teams from NASL and USL beating ML. It's a, it's a normal thing for uh, you get a lower a lower league team, but for, I think for to to beat the MLS teams. But I guess what I'm asking is for those that maybe don't or aren't as involved. Um, in supporting a USL team, could what are some of the biggest sort of like challenges or some of the key characteristics of the USL that you in, in your own words, just given that you've played in it sort of for three four years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the USL is a it's such a it's, a it's a very interesting league because it's not like uh, you have maybe the top top players in the league. You have a little bit of a celebrity status, like they get some fans and stuff, and they get paid very well. But for majority of the league, it's it's pretty low pay. A lot of players are kind of struggling. Um, they can survive, but it's not like the, the biggest. They're not getting millions of dollars. So when you think of a pro soccer player, that you know, typically, you typically think of someone who's really well off. Many, many times in the USL, you get like you know players that are pretty much minimum wage in terms of the normal worker in America. Um, but the league is just so professional in terms of like the, the videos and the traveling and the you train every single day at these amazing American facilities. They're huge. And uh, you can go someplace and play in front of 10,000 fans. You know, in 2017, I played at Cincinnati in front of like 25,000 fans, which is amazing. But you can also go to other teams and play in front of like 1,000, 2,000. So it varies. It kind of varies city to city and club to club. But where it was five years ago compared to today is just crazy the improvement. So every year it's getting better and better. Every year the attendance is going up. Every year, the pay is getting a little bit better, so it's exciting. It's a very exciting time in uh, American soccer. Um, Matt, what's it like um, in the USA? How in in each uh, conference, how there are a couple second teams? You know, like there are uh, New York Red Bulls two, LA Galaxy two. What's it like to play? Is it different playing those teams uh, over you know like the regular teams on in the USL? Yeah, I think I think like some. Of the second teams, like for example, like uh, Tacoma Defiance that we played last weekend, they are very, very academy-based, younger team. I think 75% of their team that was out in the starting lineup was like 17 years old or 18 years old. So it's very young. It almost feels like you're kind of playing against uh, kids. So sometimes, but they're skilled. They're, they're, I mean, we tied 1-1 to them. They're very skilled. They're very good. But it is a little bit different of a, of a, of a playing style that you'll, that you'll face against those teams and um, at the same time a lot of those second teams also can bring down MLS players so sometimes like if, for example the Portland Timbers too you can be facing their academy more of their academy players and then when you see them the second time they bring down more MLS players and all of a sudden you're playing against more MLS players half the team is the MLS team so it, it just it's very different dynamic you versus like a normal USL team it's not really closely affiliated with the MLS team. It's pretty much like right in between. You get the middle-aged type players that are um, that are just USL players that you see, you know, the same team that you're going to see every single time. Well, the, while the uh, second teams are definitely uh, a little bit more dynamic. Uh, without, from my, from just from me speaking, without disrespecting any of the other uh, USL teams, is there ever a preference or like an undertone of like, I want to be on the team that's affiliated with an MLS club like you look at, I think right now, NYCFC is affiliated with like, I think Hartford, the USL team in Hartford. But then also you have, like Alex mentioned, you have like your 
uh, LA Galaxy 2, Portland Timbers 2, Red Bulls 2, Atlanta United have a club and Real Monarchs. Is there any, is there any, even if it's between you and like the players that you talk to, is there any preference that you like, oh, I wish I was on like a, 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 so, a, an MLS 2 team yeah. or is it, or is that at a uh-huh. league where like any, any position you're in right now could bounce you to that next uh, using whatever any any USL club could be a launch pad to a higher league or a higher payer or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, I think there's I think there's pros and cons because, um, like for example, I know some players on second teams of the MLS teams that they get to train with the first team of like Seattle Sounders every week, like mm-hmm. once a week or twice a week. And they're constantly being right, right under the the microscope. Like the, the head coaches of the first team are always watching the games of the second team very closely. Uh, so, which is huge. I mean, I would love to be that closely affiliated with the MLS team, where the head coach is constantly seeing me in training every day, or seeing me at least every week. Um, so, I think that's huge. But at the same time, I've also heard the, the, the flip side, where players have been on the second teams of these MLS teams, and uh, it's almost, it almost works the opposite way where the head coach of the first team isn't really looking that closely to the second team. And they mainly view the second team as like a, um, a bounce back platform for their players that are injured or out of form in the first team. So instead of bringing more players up, it almost is we're sending more players down. So if you're on the second team, you're constantly getting the first team players coming down, taking your spots, taking your minutes. So it can kind of work in the opposite way. And then at the same time, I also think that you can be on any USL team and use that as a launch pad um, to go up to the to the MLS. It's it's definitely hard because you don't you're not probably as as closely watched. But I've seen like when I was in St. Louis, our our actual our backup goalkeeper Adam Grinwitz was just had a great game when we played against Orlando City B back in 2017, and then all of a sudden the next year in 2018, he signed a contract with Orlando City, the MLS team, and he's still there today. So I think. It can happen like anywhere, any USL team. If you're performing, if you have a good game, or you or if a head coach sees you and likes you, it, it can help you get up to the MLS. It's definitely hard, um, and I think sometimes being on the second team is a little bit. You get more eyes on you, you get uh, better chances. But I think also at the same time, like I, I have seen it work in the opposite way and almost uh, make it harder to get up to the MLS. Yeah, I actually didn't think about that in the fact that you could you're basically opening yourself up to losing your position to anyone that wants to get maybe more uh more minutes from the mls team it's a bit of a double-edged yeah. sword uh in the whole topic of sort of jumping in between leagues and mls and usl and even all the divisions within usl and we've asked a couple of our guests that sort of were in this uh we're in the u.s soccer space uh what are your thoughts um and I want to also I want to get back into sort of uh, YouTube and against uh, your podcast as well. But I guess what are your thoughts on promotion relegation in the in U.S. soccer? Just given your uh, you're in it. Yeah, I I think I uh, just like the idea of it is fantastic. I mean, over in Germany, even in New Zealand, um, there's promotion relegation, and I think it's it's makes it more exciting. I think it's more fun. It makes every single game so important. I mean, like, for example, for right now, for Tulsa Roughnecks, um, we would be in that relegation battle. And so these last few games would be so critical and so important and almost just as exciting as it would be to win the league as it is to try to stay in the league. So it definitely is so exciting. I think that ideally America would have promotion relegation from the MLS all the way down to 
fifth, sixth tier. And I think that's what it's going to be one day. But um, I have seen and have listened to and heard a lot of people talk about uh, how right now it might not be so realistic because um, the support down at the lower levels isn't there. So if an MLS team drops down to the second division, that club might really just completely fold or crumble because it just loses the fans. And I think it's like it's it's hard to say if it would if it would work if it was implemented like next year or not. But I could see how like because you go over to, in Germany and, and if your team drops down to the fourth fifth division, you still are going to have a good solid fan base. You're still going to have money, not as much, but um, you're still going to have people who are just so closely tied with their local teams. Um, while I think in America, it's, it's right now, I think it give it another ten years or so and to allow more people to grow up with those clubs and to really develop a, a big, like, uh, long-lasting, like, dedication to the club. I think that if they get relegated, that they would be able to survive. But I think right now, it, it, it's since the U.S. league system is a little unstable and it kind of changes year to year, I don't know how many clubs would survive if they drop down. And it'd just be interesting. I don't really think I have like a full answer to it, uh, but I definitely want to see it in the future. And I think it will be there in the future. Yeah. I think, I think we're both on the same page. I think, uh, Alex, it's, it's, it's like a conversation at some point in your life. You're always going to have the, uh, the pro rail conversation in, uh, in us soccer. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think with the way that MLS is set up right now, it's making uh, enough money with all these buy-ins and proposals and, there's so much to put into it. It's, it really is like a startup business and you have to pro- have a proposal for it and you the, the, the lease for the stadium and uh, what it's like $200 million as a buy-in and it's just making enough money as it is. But so much of it is and just as, more and more teams being added. Yeah. And at some point, and we were talking with, um, we had a Heath Pierce on a while ago and we were talking about like, at some point the league you're, you're looking at like what you can't have a 40 team, like three conference uh, division that is always stays. And we always like, we like Alex and I, like we go out to enough Red Bulls every now and uh, Red Bull games now and then, but like we've had seasons where like we finished last and then the next season we win the supporter shield. I'm like, well, that team shouldn't really be in that position because you'd be relegated. And how does it work that a team just sort of bounces from last to first to mid table. And, but um, I agree. I think I'm, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an ideal. And it's, I think it's the, the, we're in the right direction, but um, hopefully within again, like yeah, like you said, I think I think it's, it's, gonna, a, it's, it's gonna a ten year a thing. While, I, yeah. I don't, even like five to seven years, I don't see it happening. Um, yeah, especially with yeah. especially with like the World Cup in twenty twenty six, you need to see how that sort of like does that play in a, a part in any of this, and how and so many mm-hmm. eyes are going to be on the the U.S. and Canada and Mexico. <laughs> uh, no, it, your story is incredible, and I mean it's a it's a it's a full. I mean, we could have talked for. I had way more questions to ask, but I definitely want to get uh, into some of the stuff that you have going on with YouTube. But I guess my first question was, um, so, and I'm trying to put all the pieces together. Where were you? You were in Germany when you first started uh, becoming elite, right? That's that's when I first started the first day in the life video. But I started the very first idea, like with Instagram and the first couple videos, but which were all tutorials when I was, training with Sacramento in, in 2015. Got it. What, I mean, mm-hmm. I'll start with a very vague question, but what, what made you want to start a channel? I mean, uh, uh, just thinking of like someone who is in your position at that time, um, 
starting a YouTube channel or starting Instagram videos on like training and diet and things like that is, I, I, I mean, kudos to you, but it, I wouldn't be on my, on the top of my list, especially back then yeah. when, when YouTube wasn't uh, sort of what it is now, but what made you, what was the, just all that, what, what made you want to start a, a YouTube channel, Instagram videos and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of funny. Like I, like everybody has that idea of what it's like to be a, a pro soccer player and you think like it's a crazy, crazy life in, a, in one aspect. Yeah, it is. But I think on the other hand, once you get there, you kind of realize that, yeah, you get to the, the facilities at 8 a.m. and you do your, you know, you're in the locker room for an hour and a half or so and you go out and train for an hour and a half and then you come back in the locker room and you eat lunch and you kind of like chill there for maybe another hour and then you're done. You know, you could be done by 12, 1 p.m. And then, uh, you know, even if you get an extra workout in, you get a little bit of extra training in, um, the max time I would ever be done with anything or done with my day would be 2 p.m., 3 p.m., the latest. And that's if I had like a really, if I stayed after, did extra work, got an extra workout in, maybe got an extra rehab session in, and then have lunch, it's still 2 p.m., 3 p.m. And like I was used to being a student athlete and, and I was used to having, you know, even a part-time job on top of all that stuff. And so I went from having this crazy, crazy hectic schedule to being done at 2 p.m. every single day with no homework, no other job, nothing. So at first I was like, this is amazing. I'm just going to watch Netflix. I'm going to chill. I'm going to go out and hang out with my friends, go grab coffee, do whatever. And then you're kind of like, uh, after a week or two, I was just bored. I was really just I was like, what do I do with all my time? And then so I, I like coaching. I knew after my career, however long it was, that I wanted to be some type of personal coach, personal training. I loved working out. I loved um, the one-on-one skill type training. So I started coaching and training kids and, and people in the Sacramento area. But even then it was just like I'm, I would spend a full two hours and really only impact one person. And so I thought, well, if I could get this, uh, if I could get these same drills I'm doing with this person, helping this person, if I just put it online and if it was on Instagram, YouTube, wherever, you know, I could help a little bit more people I could do that. I could reach a little bit more. And I had no idea that it get up to 300,000, but I thought even if it could reach a hundred people, 200 people, at least I could be doing something with that extra time with the, you know, I like video editing. I liked uh, creating content. I like filming. So it kind of just kind of came together with that extra free time I had. And it just started with tutorials and then it kind of blossomed into uh, the whole behind the scenes vlogging type videos. And that's when you showed up in my YouTube recommended. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that's it's awesome. Um, so I guess after, after how long? And I'm I mean because I think we're in a very similar position right now with with this show. But what, at what point did it? I'm sure for the first couple months, and even maybe I mean I'm probably sure until now, it doesn't feel like a job. Or doesn't you do it because you love it? At what point did you realize that you were creating an audience and you actually had something? You had that little like that light bulb moment? Yeah. Um, I would say probably in Germany. So that would probably be, I'd say almost a year. It was a full year. It, it went from, because I think I was on YouTube for like four months. It was just always a game to me. I, I, I like to see the numbers go up. I like to see the views go up. I like to see how I was adding like a subscriber like once every week or so. And it, like, I just was so ecstatic when I even broke 10 subscribers. And, and I remember distinctly, after like three or four months of putting out a YouTube video, I think every other week and 
Instagram content like almost every single day. I think after four months, I made like my first cent on on YouTube. And I was like, oh, I made a cent. I was so excited about it. I'm a and YouTuber. So like, yeah. I was like, wow, I just made a, a penny. And to me, like, I even remember my friends at the time were just making fun of me, like, oh, here's a penny. I'll give you a penny. Um, just as, as friends always do. But I just, it was just almost like a more of a, a competition for myself. I'm like, oh, maybe I, can, I can't wait to make a dime. I can't wait to make a dollar. And then, um, but even then, it wasn't like the, the actual money aspect it was just like a game to me it's just a competition just like how when i would lift weights it's like can i get up to the 200 pounds can i get to 205 or juggling can i get to 100 juggles can i get to 200 juggles and i think it wasn't until germany um after i really started vlogging and showing and people were like who are you why are you putting out these videos and i started vlogging um, on an american playing over here and people started to kind of like follow along and, and look forward to the videos i think i missed putting out a video one week, I think around like March. So that was almost a full year. And someone was like, Oh, where's the video? Where's the upload? Wow. How did your game go this weekend against, and they do it. Like, how did your game go against uh, Frankfurt or whatever? And I'm like, wow. Like someone's actually following along with me. And like at that time too, I had, I was like a thousand subscribers and it was starting to be like, Oh, now what I'm making every month can actually buy like maybe groceries for one time. I got like a hundred bucks or something. So, I could, I saw the growth, I saw the potential, but I don't know. I, I still don't even think like today, I mean, even I, it feels like a real job and it's, the, I mean, it's the same thing. It's been exponentially growing for views and subscribers and money and everything, but uh, it still just feels like, yeah, I want to create a video. I, I love doing it. I love doing all that stuff. It's like the same way I'm sure like with the podcast with you guys, it's just, it's, it's fun. It's something to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, do you ever, and I think maybe with changing teams and even traveling to other, like maybe away games, I'll ask it in two parts. When you joined Tulsa or even every other team you've joined, has there always been the, like, have people come, like your teammates been like, oh, you, like, do they recognize, like, you from, like, YouTube videos or even when you travel and either at home or away games, do people still come up to you like, becoming elite, becoming elite? <laughs> is, is that, does, does that kind of stuff, either in the locker room or... Because, I mean, you do, like, the whole, like, game day vlogs, and so they, I'm, assu- I'm assuming they all know, but what was their, what have been some of your teammates' reaction, and then part two, what's, like, the like the game day experience? Like, do people kind of come up to you as, mm-hmm. like, as, like, a YouTuber or as a professional soccer player? What's, what's that whole balance like? Yeah, it, it, it's funny. I think every single year, I mean, like, at Sacramento, I, I was just training with the team. I, I mean, I, I didn't really feel part of the team. I don't think anybody really even knew I had a, a YouTube channel at that time. And then went over to Germany. Most people didn't know at all because it was a different language. And then, um, I mean, they saw like me pulling out the camera, but most people are, my teammates probably just, I didn't openly say anything. So I think most people just thought I was just filming because I was a tourist. And then um, Orange County, again, I kind of told some people or whoever, if anybody was like, oh, I saw a video of yours pop up. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I create some YouTube videos. And it's kind of like, oh, cool. And that was pretty much it. And then every year it kind of has ramped up more and more at St. Louis. I think people um, had already seen some of my content. Some of my teammates kind of knew about it. And then uh, like in New Zealand, I think uh, it was everybody kind of pretty much knew at that point. And then it, and here at Tulsa, I come, you know, the first day and everyone's like, oh, yeah, you know, I have like I have like six or seven teammates who came up and were like, yeah, man, I watch your videos. I really like them. It's awesome. I'm like, cool. Thank you. And, uh, and even when I play like with the away games and even other teams coming in, 
I'd say, yeah, pretty much, or not every team, but I'd say there's definitely a lot of teams that we play against where at least one other team, uh, or at least one other player from the other team will come up and say like, Hey man, I like your YouTube channel, which is really cool. And uh, then after the games with the fans, I think it's like pretty 50, 50 of, of people asking for autographs and pictures just as me as a, as a Tulsa roughneck. And then where it's like half of them will say like, Oh yeah. And I follow your YouTube channel for like <laughs> three years or whatever which is so cool to me to, to meet everybody in person who's been watching and following along since the Germany days. And it kind of feels like they've been along with the ride and along with the highs and the lows of my career. So it definitely is cool. And I'm sure um, if I come back next year or go wherever next year, it's just going to be even more, more people like will know about me and, and hear about me and uh, hopefully more people. Uh, it, and it's a good thing. I haven't had really any negative experiences with any teammates or anybody say like oh i don't like that you know i don't want to be it most of my teammates are like that's so cool you know they're all excited about the cloud they want to get in the videos they want to get in the pictures they want to get in everything so it's been a really positive experience both with fans and teammates and teams and everything it's kind of like your opponents come up to you and ask for like a shirt swap and said they just say uh, I'm subscribed. <laughs> just, give me a, yeah. just, just give me a shout out. Can you get on my IG story real quick? <laughs> yeah, it's cool. And I'm, I think a lot of the opponents that I play against, um, the ones that I've talked to after the games, they they really like it because it it resonates with them. Because you know they've probably most of the guys in the USL have had injuries. They've been through surgeries. They've been had to go start their career, or they've been through a season where um, they've you know, how to drop down to the semi-pro level or struggle. And, and I think being able to see somebody else on YouTube who's going through that, a lot of players tell me that like, yeah, man, when I was going through my ACL or when I was going, when I was playing over in Bulgaria or whatever, I completely connected with you because I, I, I was going through the same thing. So I think that's why it's, it's just a cool, a lot of players come up and, and say that, which is, which is pretty amazing. No, for sure. And I, I was going to say like, you don't see a whole lot of that anywhere. Like to be a, like to, like people either after they ret- like after they retire they go into like media and start like a becoming like a little more insta famous and um have like youtube per- channels and they become like a youtube personality and i'm trying to just think like you, it's it's a very interesting niche that you have because it's not like whatever cuz even you have like your alex you may know but like NFL or like basketball player, like who was like there's an NFL player that has like a um like a YouTube channel. Oh, destroying. Yeah, yeah, the, destroying, he, yeah. yeah this, like Matt's kind of like the soccer version. But my no, but my whole point is that like are his video you, again? You probably know more than I do. Are his videos like super like? I feel like, I feel like sometimes like like let's say for example like whatever like Pogba or like Ronaldo have like a YouTuber and Instagram like it's so hyper oh, it's so hyper oh, like the, media. It's like they have like their PR guy and their media guy, and like yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. high, like locked down on like see, what it has to be. But like yours is more just like it's very, it's very authentic, and that's what that's that's like the the point I'm trying to get to is that yours. It's like it's not like you have like two cameramen, a PR guy, an interview guy, a mic guy. Like it's it's just you and your camera, and you just kind of take it where you go, and it's it's all very. It's all very you. Yeah, with, with like with like with Matt, it's the same thing with uh, I just mentioned destroying that he he's sort of tr- trying to get into the NFL or something like that in, in, in American football. But you also see a lots of uh, athletes in all kinds of sports that not only try like collabing with YouTubers yeah. and collabing with uh, 
I don't know, not like uh, online personalities, but they're also starting their own YouTube channels. Like one that pops into mind is Jimmy Butler. Like he's an all-star mm-hmm. and he's a fantastic player in the NBA and he has his own YouTube channel. Hector Bellerin, he started his own YouTube channel when he got injured and he sort of went through his like rehab, oh, like yeah. a day in the life of yeah. uh, my ACL tear or whatever. And I'm, I am subscribed because... I love him because Arsenal. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, you you start you sort of see that trend with not just athletes but like celebrities nowadays. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. It's definitely like changing, and I think because at first it was like even back in I think 2016 or 2015, if you had a YouTube channel, it wasn't there was no mainstream celebrities. It was kind of like, oh, why are you making YouTube videos? And now it's definitely like, like what you said, there's so many big celebrities and athletes hopping on there, I think, because they see just, yeah, it's just another way to build their brand or, or showcase their life or, or even just like, this is something to do, something to help, you know, give your, the fans that they already have um, more content. So I think, yeah, it's definitely going to just keep growing like that. Yeah, no, for sure. So uh, I want to talk about uh, the podcast. The podcast. Uh, you were, oh, we were yeah. talking about branding and sort of like growing audiences and sort of like this sort of. I guess that's like the next thing that you've done in terms of like a, of a big jump. Um, how did that? And I was looking at a couple stuff earlier today, and um, I just want to hear sort of like the kind of why you started it, what you've been doing, what you've been up to so far. Um, I know you're interviewing a lot of uh, your teammates and other athletes. Um, playing in the USL and it's a very interesting take because it's a very um, specific, you're looking for very specific stories, but if you can maybe give a bit of a background about how you started it, why you started it um, and what you've been up to so far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the podcast, the against all Odds podcast, it really started when I was in New Zealand and just randomly, like if I, from I've always been the type of person, like if I just have an idea to do something, I'm a hundred percent full throttle, I'm going to, I, I'm so impatient with that. So like it was literally 3am and I was wide awake and I was just listening to, and I couldn't sleep. So I was listening to a podcast and I was so into it. And I was like, this is awesome. I loved it. I don't even remember what it was, um, but I was just listening to this, this two people talk and I was completely absorbed into it. And I thought, wow, this is so cool. I, I love this. I want to do something like that. And I'm like, well, why don't, why don't I just do it? Why don't I just have a podcast? And then so it was like 3, 4 a.m. I remember I was in New Zealand with the host family in the bedroom. And I was just started Googling how to start a podcast, what mics to get, how to do whatever. How do you upload it? How do you get your thing on Spotify or iTunes? And then that night I had already ordered um, a microphone, the pop filter. I already had been like subscribed to or paid a subscription for Podbean to get my podcast up. And I just all that night I, I was texting my girlfriend Mimi. I was just like, that's. I started a podcast. I, I'm, I had a whole like just completely started, and so it was just me and her at first talking pretty much. And then when I came here to Tulsa, um, I was just talking with some of my teammates. You know, you do your standard. Oh, where are you from? Where did you play last year? And then you get with some of the teammates. You start talking a little bit more in depth about their career. And I was just talking to my teammates about where'd you play? What, what was going on? And they had such incredible stories of yeah, you know, I was in 17 different countries or. Yeah, I tore both my ACLs and had two sports hernia surgeries. Or I started playing in the streets of Africa, and now I got drafted to MLS. So I was like so amazed by all these stories, and that just kind of popped in my head. Like in preseason, like I should just get every single one of my teammates on here, or the ones that wanted to, which is pretty much all of them, 
and they should just tell their story. Just let them just talk. Give them a platform to talk about the these amazing highs and lows of their career. And it's just kind of like, I was like, yeah, I just asked the first teammate DJ, like, do you want to come and talk on the podcast? He's like, yeah, for sure. And uh, it just went from there. Yeah, I mean, we were pretty much the like the same kind of way. Like, I think if you looked at both of our search histories those first weeks, it was like how to start thing, yeah. how to do this, like how to <laughs> how to get on iTunes, how to get on Spotify. What kind of image resolution do you need for an iTunes? That was so annoying. <laughs> it was like, yeah. and you have to keep getting different versions and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. But no, we were the exact same way. Like, just sort of like just wanted to to have people like you talk about sort of their stories, and then also. Uh, cover a world football but also get into like soccer culture and all that kind of stuff and um just sort of doing it and we had we had the same sort of like uh story as well um so yeah, you do it's, it's, really it's, fun, it's a huh? lot of fun and you kind of just yeah. you talk to people that like we, we always joke like some of the guests that we've had on like we really shouldn't be like we just started like we, a few months ago and we were getting like pretty th- good guests no like i think our who, i think he was uh was christian our first guest I think so. I think yeah. So our first guest just happened to be Christian Fuchs uh, on Lester, and he was like happened to be in New York, and I just hit him up on Twitter because his DMs were open, and I was like, "Hey, we have this podcast." And he was like, "Yeah, I can give you twenty minutes on like some like Tuesday afternoon." And I was like, "All okay. right." <laughs> I just booked Christian Fuchs for like it's 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 a really bizarre. Um, and yes, I am putting you in the same tier as Christian Fuchs, or I'm putting Christian Fuchs in the same <laughs> tier as you. Uh, but no, like it's much, much higher. No, but like it's 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 really cool because it gives you an opportunity and um, to just talk to people about stuff that you, like it's like, it's not like you go to a bar and you talk like no one's gonna go to a bar and talk to you for an hour about mm-hmm. your story. But this like through a podcast, it's a much more different medium that sort of people are a lot more open to. But um, yeah, and I think I think today too, it's so cool because I mean the the way to contact. Um, anybody is just so easy now with Instagram DMs and whatever. Just you know, just send yep. them a message. You can you can contact LeBron James. Yeah, it's it's crazy how ten years ago the fact that if you wanted to contact Christian Fuchs, it, it would be okay. I got to get in contact with the PR of the club, and then we got to try to set up a meeting or set up a phone call. It's so much of a hassle, and today it's literally as easy as sending a text to your friend. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Um, so, and you also do seasons in the podcast, no? Like, is it, how do you, how does that sort of break down? Cause I know you have like different, you yeah, do, you, so you do I, go, yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I, uh, I, I pretty much just kind of like, I, I don't even know. I think it was Mimi, my, my girlfriend's idea. She pretty much just said, oh yeah, you know, well, season one will be, uh, each season will literally be my soccer season. Oh, so okay. season one was like New Zealand. Season two was actually off season. Season three was this 2019 season with the Roughnecks. And then I'm guessing we'll probably do season four. We'll be off season again. Um, this, this, this winter. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Cause I definitely saw you had the whole like IG color scheme and you, you knew what you were doing with that. So I was just wondering what, uh, uh, what that was about. Have you, mm-hmm. um, has it mainly been teammates or have you sort of had players you've played against or players that maybe are in town to play you guys? Like have, has that ever sort of happened or has it mainly been with teammates? Um, this it's mainly just been with teammates, but um, I've even started just with like teammates. Uh, uh, teammates is starting to like talk with my own team. Like people are like, "Yeah, man, I have a friend over at, who at Seattle. I have a friend over here that has an amazing story that you should talk to." Uh, so I definitely will probably branch out and start doing the same thing that you guys are doing, and just start seeing who I can get on on the podcast. No, for sure, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I, another like vague question for you. What's next? I mean, you obviously have the 20, I think what is it? 2020 season uh, for mm-hmm. USL or in whichever league you, you end up playing in, but soccer aside between YouTube, the podcast, um, what's next for you? What are your, what are your next goals uh, for each? And is there anything that you're sort of working on that you can share with us on? Yeah. Um, I, I really right now, uh, I'm, I'm so like, even just being a, a pro soccer player, you really have to live like week by week or even like season by season, uh, just cause you have no idea where it's going to, where you're going to be like next year. Like I said before in the, in the podcast, you could be in Sweden or you could be back here in Tulsa or you could be anywhere. Um, so it's, it is kind of hard to like, plan like what's next. But, um, but for me, even like I definitely right now, I'm just want to keep on putting out as much quality content as I possibly can keep doing podcasts, whether that's with other teammates, with opponents, with anybody, uh, keep putting out as many YouTube videos as I can documenting, um, what, what's going on in my life. Just keep on building and building and building. Um, cause I love it and I, I absolutely love it. And it just keeps on growing and getting such an amazing response from it. So just keep on keeping on. And then once, uh, once I'm done, I, I think once I'm done playing soccer, whenever that is, whether that's in two years or three years or five years or whatever, um, I really, really want to transition to a full training facility and have my own field and my own uh, weight room and my own, like even like podcast studio and really just kind of take up the quality of everything higher and start to go shift um, maybe it less from me vlogging and then behind the scenes to more of a higher production uh, training atmosphere, really training people, uh, even doing something like what Jonah one-on-one is doing over in Australia with one-on-one training and something like that. Uh, but I've even had the idea to do full Netflix documentary style, like last chance university with some form of training pros in the off season or something. Um, but yeah, I definitely want to do keep soccer, do something training, weightlifting, working out all that stuff and, and just keep on putting out podcasts and videos and, and content. Damn. <laughs> that's quite the, uh, the schedule. No, that's awesome. I mean, um, it's yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, listen, we really thank you for uh, for coming on and sharing your story about uh, your path to being a professional soccer player. Obviously, everything with uh, YouTube and the podcast. And uh, thanks for doing this. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. It was, it was a lot of fun. All right, man. We'll talk to you later. All right, see ya. See you. Bye.